0: Hello everyone, I am Shelby Grendel, and today I'm going to be talking about how pain is treated now and compare it to how it was treated 40 or so years ago, and then I will analyze what ultimately fueled our opioid epidemic and what us as a society can do to end the crisis. I'm going to start out our discussion with Mary Jo. She has been a nurse for 40 years and will talk to us a little bit about how pain control has changed. So, Mary Jo, what are your thoughts on this subject? And do you have any personal experiences that you would like to share with us?
1: Thanks, Shelby, for having me. Um, I've been a nurse for about 40 years and what I recall when I first started working in nursing is is that there there was a push to keep patients comfortable, but it seems like about, um, I don't know, in the late 80s, early 90s, there started to be this push that um, we needed to measure patients' pain levels and have our patients be totally pain-free, which uh, was kind of a new concept for us because like I said, prior to that, you you wanted patients to be comfortable, but um, some of your regulatory agencies like the Joint Commission of Hospitals they would put in these new stipulations that again that you know patients need to be totally pain free, and if you didn't do that, you kind of got dinged um, on their survey. so as much as you know we want to put the blame on the the drug companies uh, and the physicians who are prescribing the drugs, um, there were these regulatory agencies in the background who were also pushing us to keep our patients pain free. I've seen here recently that some of that has actually been lifted a little bit, and they're being a little more lenient with that because I think they realize that, you know, is it really necessary for patients to be totally pain-free? I myself have had several surgeries, um, C-sections, um, a hysterectomy, gallbladder, and I was prescribed oxycodone, Vicodin. Um, you know, after all those surgeries, I never even got the prescriptions filled because... I I don't know if it's just that I have a high tolerance to pain, or I just felt that, you know, you're going to have a little bit of pain with any type of surgery. And as a nurse, I just know that the more you move around, get moving, that type of thing, um, you know, a little bit of ibuprofen or Tylenol
0: was really all I needed. Thank you so much for sharing, Mary Jo. I believe you mentioned some things in the healthcare workforce that is an eye-opener for some people to hear. But I myself can agree with you on the point you made that you were prescribed pain medications, but you never felt the need to take them. I recently just got my wisdom teeth taken out, and I was prescribed Percocet for the pain, but I never took them, and I was fine with just alternating ibuprofen and Tylenol every four to six hours. A journal from Healthy Years noted that the beginning of the opioid crisis can be traced back to the 90s when a few poorly designed studies indicated a low risk for addiction in treating pain with opioids. Because of this and the need to treat pain, the prescriptions for opioid skyrocketed. This ultimately led to the millions of addictions and overdoses across the country. Before this crisis, addiction was viewed as a so-called weakness, and there were little to no treatment options available. Now, addiction is known to be a brain disease with long-lasting changes in the brain. There are also treatment options available, including a combination of drug and behavioral therapy, which is generally effective. The central ideas that have influenced our healthcare beliefs attitudes, and social norms that has ultimately fueled the opioid epidemic is discussed in a research article from the Drug and Alcohol Review. They mention different aspects that has guided our medication-taking behaviors as people in society do not know the harms associated with these pain medications and also do not fully understand the addictive potential with these pain medications. In addition, the article mentions that there is a broad availability of prescription medications that are readily available today. Lastly, some people who do get prescribed prescription medications abuse the drugs by not following the instructions that is directed by their doctors. Overall, there are many ways that us as a society can do to end this opioid crisis. First, we will need to practice safe medication use and use our prescriptions as directed by our doctors, and most importantly do not share our prescriptions with our family and friends. In addition, you should talk to your doctor about non-drug options that are available, and if there are none, make sure you ask your doctor about all of the risks involved with the medication they are prescribing you. Overall, I believe with safe medication use and teaching others the risks involved with pain medication, we can direct our country away from the opioid epidemic that we are living in today. I would like to thank you for listening, and I would also like to give a special thanks to Mary Jo for her input on the subject. I hope you took something good out of this podcast and teach others what you have learned to help end the opioid crisis in America.